Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Story time. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I was hunting during doe season in the woods. I parked my truck on a side road in Washington County, but it was right on the border near Greene County. Anyway, I was in a tree stand looking for deer and heard a lot of rustling leaves near me. I then saw this wolf-like thing running on its hind legs. It stopped for a moment, sniffed the air, and then ran off. I sat in that tree stand for hours, till the sun was high in the sky. Then, I cautiously returned to my truck. I gave up hunting after this experience. My uncle is a commercial fisherman and I have gone out with him to do a few squid seasons. You fish at night in total darkness and use lights to get the squid to come up and mate so you can swoop them up. Multiple times big animals came to the surface and took out hundreds of pounds of the catch and every damn time it scared the hell out of me. 
Most of the time it's sperm whales but there was one time we both saw what we thought was like a bright spotted orange or red giant jellyfish looking thing go over a group of them like a net and just made them disappear before diving back down. It freaked my uncle out so much, guy has been fishing for 45 plus years now, that he called all the other boats and tells the story all the time now. He's convinced we saw a new species of sea creature. I was driving home from work on Route 66 near the Green Gauge Mall around 9pm when my headlights suddenly picked up a large canid looking creature darting across the road. As it reached the side of the road, it swiftly dropped to all fours and skillfully crawled under a fence that encircled a power transformer. I couldn't believe my eyes, this creature had a snout like a dog and was completely covered in hair. My curiosity got the better of me, so I decided to pull over, grabbed my trusty flashlight, and cautiously made my way around the fence site. To my surprise, I discovered a dugout area that was about two feet deep right at the fence's edge. I would have been around 12 to 13 at the time and on a deep sea fishing trip with a family group. Somebody spotted what looked like a body floating about 70 feet or so from the boat, it was pretty indistinct at that distance but it was fleshy colored and large enough to be an adult human, I could also see what looked like a couple of rib bones sticking out of it. We pointed it out to the skipper who checked it out with his binoculars and claimed it was a dead seal, he then stashed the binoculars back in the wheelhouse and refused to let anyone else take a look through them. The skipper went a bit quiet after that and the body gradually floated away from us and out of sight and we thought no more of it until later when we were on our way back in at the end of the day. The skipper out of nowhere started telling us about the time he found a body of a young woman at sea, he had taken out a group of mentally handicapped kids for a boat trip when he found her. He recovered the body by netting it and tying it to the side of the boat before heading in. This completely freaked the kids out on the boat and he said he found the whole experience to be deeply traumatic. To make things worse he was accused by the girl's family of stealing a bracelet from the body and ended up being questioned by the police. It turned out that the bracelet was there all along but just not immediately visible because of how bloated the body had become. He finished by telling us that if he ever found another body at sea he would leave it where it was. I have always wondered exactly what he saw through those binoculars. I have a very strange walking trail encounter with an invisible two-legged very large thing while walking with my dog. Some of the trail sections have wooded areas alongside of the walking paths. So most of the trail has woods on one side of the path and the park is on the other side of the trail. The wooded area is not very large. I would guess about 300 feet by half a mile. So I don't consider it a forest. I just call it the woods. The wooded area of the park has three or four small creeks and I think only one of the creeks has some water. Most of the trees are beautiful and normal tall trees and some of the trees here and they look like they are dead. There is always people and kids going down there to ride bikes, hang out and whatever else they do. One day around 4 pm I took my female dog, Bertha, for our normal everyday walk. We had just gotten off the car and began our walk. We were probably walking on the trail for about 5 minutes or so when I started feeling weird after a turn. No not scared or afraid. I started to feel happy and my little pain aches had disappeared. This was very strange because I remember saying to myself inside my head, not out loud. I said. Wow I feel good, I feel like a little kid. I feel brand new. It was only about 20 seconds of this young and joyful feeling when all of a sudden. Something had let go of a large bush that it was holding on to. The thing sounded like it was intertwined in the bush. Like holding on and trying to hide. At the same time of the noise in the bush. Bertha, turned towards the bush and started going after it. I had Bertha on a leash and she was dragging me almost taking me into the woods. I had to hold her back because I couldn't see what was making all that noise. It moved through another tall bush and started stepping heavy with loud thumps. 
I think it fell when it made it out of the bush area. The thing was only about 15 feet away from us on the other side of the bushes and sounded like two very large horses stomping on the ground. I could see the bushes and the grass moving but I could not see anything. We moved back away from the trail a few feet so I can see a clearing on the other side of the bushes to try to see this thing. I looked right where the sounds of steps were coming from and saw nothing. So I looked down on the ground and I could see where two feet were stepping on the tall grass. I remember I said to myself, in my head. No way, that is not an invisible monster. After I said that I heard something I will never forget. The thing started making loud T-Rex, stomps. Then I said out loud. That sounds like T-Rex, from the movies I recall I could feel the stomps on the ground. Bertha and I were just looking into the woods at this sound. I can feel my eardrums shaking bad and both eardrums felt like busted speakers. In my head I said. It's trying to blow my eardrums the T-Rex, stomps lasted about 10 or 15 seconds. Then the sound stopped it just turned off like a light switch. I have no idea if it jumped into something or it vanished. It is strange because after all that I still felt happy with no worry or fear at all. Just very curious. I really wanted to see it. On the way home I remember thinking. Any other day I would have been afraid and ran away from it. I heard this thing three or four times in the following days. In another section of woods. I could hear someone heavy walking on leaves just inside the tree line about 30 feet away in the woods alongside me and Bertha. I would hear it and I would stop without turning to it. And it would take a step or two and it would stop. I turned around a few times to see nothing because it wasn't moving. I did this a few times to make sure. I would tell myself, in my head. If a person stays on trail they have no permission to take you. I think one time, I heard his steps in the woods next to me. I said to myself in my head, I think it wants me to make a mistake and go into the woods, towards it after I said that I never heard it again. I am sure it can hear what I am thinking. Just a few weeks ago I had seen something very strange related to this thing. Bertha and I were walking in the same part of the trail only about 100 feet away from my first encounter where the bushes were. I stopped to look into the woods at this view into the woods. I was standing still looking past the trees. How the area was covered in a few inches of light green grass. I was looking kinda downhill how the woods go down in and around the creek down there. I said to myself, it looks beautiful, the trees, the color of greens and the sunlight and shadow. It looks like a postcard, perfect. About two or three seconds after I thought that. While I was just looking down at this area of woods I saw a big human shape blur, move between two trees about 80 feet away. I saw it for a split second. It was big. Maybe 10 feet tall. Big head big wide muscle shoulders and I remember his big left leg. I remember his left knee and big muscle above it, the laterals. I could see the thick shiny hair on the leg. Yes, this thing looked exactly like the predator from the movie when he is cloaked. It is very weird how my brain was able to capture this image. My memory surprised me. His shoulders, his head and the side of his back was reflecting the woods between him and me. It looked like a male not a female. I was surprised just like him. In my opinion, I think he took off running because he thought I was sensing that he was in the area. But I had no idea he was there. I think he knows Bertha, can't pick up on him if he hides a little farther away from the trail. I am very cautious when we go walking near woods now. I also tell people where I'm going and carry a few extra things hidden on me. I have no idea why this thing got so close to me or what its intentions were. And I also don't know why it ran away from me those times. Was there something or someone behind me that startled it? These occurrences were a very incredible time of my life. It changed me in a good way. I often think, I don't know, but maybe that's why dogs are on this planet. To help us and pick up on these invisible things when they get too close. Always be happy and do the things you love doing in your life. Have no worries and certainly no fear. I hope my story helps people to be alert and careful out there in this world.
The desert stretched out before me, a vast and desolate landscape that seemed to go on forever. The only companions on this lonely highway were the endless rows of cacti, standing like silent sentinels under the unforgiving sun. I was a long-haul trucker, accustomed to the solitude of the open road, but this stretch of desert felt different, like it held secrets buried beneath the shifting sands. As I cruised down the seemingly endless highway, the crackling static of my CB radio interrupted my thoughts. The eerie sound sent shivers down my spine, but I couldn't ignore it. I reached for the microphone, adjusting the frequency to pinpoint the source of the signal. The voice that emanated from the speaker was distorted and haunting, like a whisper from a ghostly past. Help. Please, someone. Help me. I furrowed my brow, my heart pounding as I listened to the faint, desperate pleas for assistance. It was as if the voice came from another time, another world, and it sent a chill down my spine. Without thinking, I responded, this is truck 33, I hear you. Where are you? What's your location? The voice crackled back, filled with urgency, I don't know where I am. It's dark. I can't see anything. Please, help me. My grip on the steering wheel tightened as I followed the radio signal, my curiosity and concern growing with each passing mile. The voice guided me deeper into the heart of the desert, and I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being lured into something inexplicable, something beyond my understanding. As I continued down the lonely road, my headlights cutting through the darkness, I suddenly saw it. There, on the road before me, stood a creature unlike anything I'd ever seen. It was enormous, probably about 8 feet tall, with dark grey fur and hints of brown, as if it had been dusted by the desert sands. Its mane resembled that of a male lion, but the hair around its body and legs was shorter, matted and coarse. My heart raced as I beheld the creature walking upright on its back legs. It had a humanoid form, but it wasn't human. Its eyes, glowing a menacing yellow, locked onto mine. I knew what I was seeing, or at least I thought I did, it looked like a dog-man, the mythical creature of urban legends and terrifying tales. I slammed on the brakes, bringing my truck to a screeching halt. The dog-man continued to observe me, its eyes piercing through the darkness. Time seemed to stand still as I stared into the abyss of its gaze. Minutes passed, but it felt like hours. Then, without warning, the creature dropped to all fours and sprinted towards my truck with terrifying speed. Panic surged through me, and I instinctively slammed my foot on the gas pedal. The engine roared to life, and the truck surged forward just as the dog man leapt toward it. I heard a thud and a pained howl as the creature fell away, and I dared not look back. I drove on, my heart racing, my mind reeling from the impossible encounter. The voice on the radio had gone silent, and I was left with a sense of dread that clung to me like a shadow. I knew one thing for certain, I would never stop again, not in the darkness of the desert, not when the night held such nightmarish secrets. The open road was my only refuge, and I would keep driving, leaving the haunting whispers of the past behind me in the rearview mirror, a chilling memory of a night I could never forget. While training at Fort Carson, one night a Marine and his team were way out in the field when they noticed what appeared to be blood-red eyes on something very large and dark. The men instantaneously switched their flashlights from floodlight mode to beam mode, but this did little to decrease the size of the object, which now turned away from them at high speed once it realized its attention was being drawn to it. From that day on, any time somebody mentioned or asked about coyotes in that area, they were told, no, not here, too big. The men reported about seeing large canine hybrid creatures, which is why it was such a shock. These creatures were four to five feet tall, had short red fur with large legs and paws. Their eyes were glowing red in the dark, and they moved very fast according to the men's description. These creatures looked like a mix between dogs and coyotes but were much larger than either of them probably about twice as large. According to the military personnel who work at the base, they've been told there were no such hybrid animals in the area. 
Although these men would never admit to seeing anything so strange, they wanted it known that these creatures do exist and could still be living on Fort Carson today. Other stories include Marines getting attacked by these large creatures, which they say were very humanoid in nature but were not human. One story comes from an ex-Marine who claimed that he was at a certain location with his commanding officer, and they heard a strange animal-like shriek. He said the creature was large, very fast-moving, like a blur. The officer informed him to not worry about it and did not say a word. He said that many of his colleagues speak of these creatures in private but refuse to talk about them when in the company of others, especially if they're higher-ups. This marine claims that there have been sightings of these creatures on numerous occasions and that they are very real. He is not the only one with stories like this, either, as many marines have had similar sightings and experiences but refuse to speak up about them. I work as a park ranger in a state-run park in Appalachia. It's a little over 5,000 acres with a large lake on the property, which draws in many boaters and fishermen. There are many hiking or walking or horseback trails along with several campground areas, both primitive and not, two old cemeteries and a dilapidated church that held its last service in 1943. My colleagues and I are a small team of five along with our head warden. I am one of the full-time rangers, so I'm here all the time and can confidently say I know the trails and sections like the back of my hand. I've been doing this for just over seven years, which doesn't seem too long, but for the size of the park, I'm confident in my ability to do my job. However, things get strange, horrifying, and tragic quite often around here. Around when I first started my career with the park I had my first encounter with something strange. We don't have gates to keep people out, nor do we charge admission, so we stay open pretty late. Usually till 10 p.m. since there are often people camping anyways. We just try to keep the average park goers away after late. If the weather is nice, I will usually take my horse to patrol instead of my PV. Personal vehicle. I can sneak up on people better that way. You'd be surprised how many people get freaked out over someone walking up to them on horseback after dark always gives me a chuckle when it's some tough kid trying to impress a girl. He turns and sees a huge dark figure, and yells oh shit. Or something of the sort. Nearly soils his pants, that kind of thing. Anyway, this particular night was amazing, so I saddled up on Brave, my noble steed, and did my rounds. The problem areas with after-hours trespassers are usually the cemeteries and the old church, which is on the grounds of the larger cemetery. The other cemetery is a bit smaller and much older and sits way out in the forest. People gravitate to the one with the church because, while it's close to the road, it's large enough to hide in if you hear a PV coming, plus it's real hilly and surrounded by thick woods. The cemetery is just a short ways from our station so the ride was only a few minutes. I came up over a hill in the road and saw a car, plastered with band stickers, parked in the small lot in front of the church. I knew then that there was probably a group of teens in the cemetery trying to scare the crap out of each other. Leaving Brave hitched on the fence by the car, I scanned the cemetery and didn't readily see anyone, however, it's pitch black and there are no lights there. No electricity running anywhere near the place. I radioed to my boss at the station that I had people in the church cemetery and would let him know when they were on their way. He confirmed. I silently made my way through the tombstones, hoping to spot the group before I actually had to start yelling out over the graves in my best authoritative voice. Plus, part of me is a bit of a bully and I love to scare the shit out of people in the middle of the night by sneaking up and confronting them when they least expect it. It didn't take me long before I spotted some faint lights over by the edge of the cemetery near the unknown Civil War soldiers' graves. It was a group of five girls. I started walking toward them and they must have heard me because they all turned in my direction and two screamed. I suppressed a laugh. I turned on my flashlight and lit them all up. Alright girls, fun's over. You know you can't be in here this late. They seemed relieved to find I was just a person. When I finally reached them, 
I noticed that they were all silent. It felt creepy and awkward, but then again we were all standing in a dark cemetery. Let's move. Come on. I pressed. They slowly started walking toward the parking lot ahead of me. As we walked I realized that something seemed off. The night was calm and slightly cool with no wind. It finally dawned on me that there was no sound whatsoever. No late night owls, no crickets, frogs, or other fauna. Nothing, which is crazy around here. The frogs will normally drive you mad with their calls at night. I think we all jumped when there was a loud pop sound from the forest to the left of us. The girls froze and huddled around me. It is at this time that I will mention I am also a lady and at the time of this story was not many years older than these girls. So I felt like an awkward mother hen amidst them. Another pop. It sounded to me like large limbs were being snapped off trees like twigs. I shined my light over by the tree line and one of the girls hissed out. Stop. I instinctively dropped the beam toward my feet. What? I asked. One of them shoved a point-and-shoot camera into my hand with an image on the little screen. I was confused as I tried to process what I was seeing. They had taken a shot of the forest with the flash on. The whole image was still nearly black but I could see the trunks up into the canopies. Then a shiver involuntarily shook through me. There were at least a dozen large sets of big red glowing eyes reflecting from the flash. I'm talking basketball-sized eyes all roughly the same height in the trees. I tried to process this in my head but another louder wooden pop shattered the air and the six of us were bolting for the parking lot. Brave was visibly freaking out, ripping and pulling at the reins I tied to the fence. The girls jumped in their car. I could still hear the loud popping noise getting closer. It was definitely wood. Like the sound a tree makes when it falls, creating a loud, splintering crack. I tried to think of what it could be. I looked down at the camera I had in my hands. The photo was still on the screen. Maybe they were just unusually large owls. Maybe one tree had fallen on another and caused some limbs to snap. At this point in my time at the park, I was still pretty good at convincing myself to remain realistic. I turned back toward the woods, held the camera up, and snapped another picture. The large red orbs were now all down by our end of the forest near the parking lot, still as high up as the canopies and staring our direction. I found it odd how calm I was as I walked over to the car the girls were in. I handed the camera to the driver, who had rolled her window down. I untied Brave, and scooted the hell out of there. Brave was all too happy to oblige. I glanced behind me to make sure the girls were leaving. They were on our heels. I had hoped they'd come to the station to file a report with me, but when I noticed them haul us out the park entrance, I couldn't exactly blame them. When I tried talking to my boss about it, he assured me it was just some dead trees finally succumbing to gravity and the eyes were most likely owls. It was pretty easy to convince me since I was already thinking they had been owls. I still make sure I never go back into that cemetery at night. If there are people in there, I have since made it a point to yell out to get their attention and let them come to me. Yes, it's cowardly, but I can't shake the feeling that those glowing eyes would still be there if you flashed a light over the dark forest. My siblings and I grew up hearing Harry Mann stories. My mother, Clara Odie Anderson Roberts, is almost 90 years old and still has a sharp mind. She lives in the Jackson Healthcare facility and can tell you these things herself. When she was young, a black man named Dan Scruggs lived near Uncle Tom Purvis' place on the other side of Friendship, a community which was between Coffeyville and the Witch Creek area. One day he left his house to go to a nearby spring, taking his gun with him. A short time later he arrived back at his home, running and out of breath. He was very frightened, and could only say, Harry man, Harry man. As he had neared the spring he saw a Harry man there and he left in such haste that he left his gun there near the spring. One day, mother's oldest brother, Chamlers Anderson, and Elmore Bedwell, were returning to their home after having visited the Roberts family who lived in the area. 
about halfway between the Roberts place and the Ida Bedwell place, they saw a hairy man sitting on a log that was over a ravine. I suspect they lost no time getting to their respective homes. This also happened when mother was young. I'm wondering if other relatives or descendants of the people who actually saw the hairy man might also have heard the stories told and passed down in their families. My oldest sister, Inez, remembers Grandma Anderson, my mother's mother, telling her something that happened when Grandma's oldest child, Chalmers, was a baby. Grandma said she was walking to a relative's house and carrying Uncle Chalmers and she walked up on a big hairy ape sitting on a log and holding its head with its hands. When Grandma walked up, it just got up and ambled off into the woods. Grandma said she figured it must have escaped from a circus somewhere and that it may have been sick. Could this have been a hairy man or a Bigfoot? The baby, my uncle, who was being carried was born December. 30. 1907 so grandma's encounter with the big hairy ape was probably around 1908. All of these sightings occurred in the friendship area. From when I was little I've started to see what seems like a white creature with yellow eyes. I could see this thing when I was at my grandma's house, in my city when it was night and I was taking a walk or even in my corridor at home for a few seconds with the corner of my eyes. This thing is tall, and he's always smiling. He appears even in my sleep paralysis, nightmares, lucid dreams and even what I can call peaceful dreams. When I was little I was staying at my grandma's house every summer and at age of 4 or 5 I've started seeing things but not something wow just little shape glowing and then they randomly disappeared and I could hear voices like they were in a place with echo. I didn't gave them too much attention, but then he appeared and it freaked me out. It was night, I know it was past 00 and I was in my grandma's room watching TV with her because I didn't had one in my room. There are three houses in the same yard, all ours. The fridge was in another house so I went to grab an ice cream but I froze just before I entered that house because I heard something breathe. My dogs were not there, they were at my other grandma, my mom's mother. I started crying instantly and I looked to the right side to see what it is. He was just staring at me, with a big smile, showing his teeth and those yellow eyes. He was much taller than me. He didn't harm me. After a few seconds he just started to walk in the backyard and I couldn't see him anymore because it was too dark. I forgot about the ice cream and ran inside the house. I've told my parents but they didn't believe me. I've told my grandma that night too and she just stared at me in shock then told me to go to sleep. After this encounter I started seeing him, but in real life not for so many times as I see him in my dreams. If someone can tell me what this thing is, or if someone encountered him too, please tell me anything you know because it's getting on my nerves. Then here are the growls. Where my grandma lives, there are rumors about ghosts, a witch and something like a big black dog. I mentioned nobody will go out of their houses after oh oh because of these rumors. At the age of 13 I was at my grandma's house with my cousin playing don't get angry, brother and he had the brilliant idea to go out on the empty street just because he was ready to show me the rumors are fake. Like a stupid kid I was, I went with him and we took a walk. We were on the street for a while, but we were also tired so we decided to go back and he was just laughing at me because I was scared of those, obviously, fake rumors who are meant to keep us inside and be good kids. On our way back we saw the dog. My cousin thought he was a wolf, but I started shaking because I sensed something bad and I was thinking wolves go in packs, right? That's what my teacher told us so why was this one alone? We froze when he turned at us. It was just so big, and his eyes were black. We stood there for a few minutes, but they seemed like hours. He was just staring at us and we were staring back and I was ready to run if he would move towards us. Then he just vanished, he did not walk another direction did not run, just vanished while he stared. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. But not like he was getting invisible, just darker, like he was fading and we couldn't see him anymore. We got back to my grandma and we told him, then she told us a story about my grandpa. He encountered the dog too, but he was in his car and the dog just appeared out of nowhere and started running after him but my grandma told us he said the dog was running awkwardly, like kind of human but yes, he had four legs. When grandpa was near the house, the dog just vanished. My problem here is, after I saw him I started hearing random growls when there was no dogs near me, even in my house or at my boyfriend's house. I hear them two or three times per year and if my boyfriend is around, he's hearing them too. Those growls sounds like a pack of big dogs who are growling at the same time but they sound so intense. I'm writing here because I'm looking for information, and just before I got here to write I heard the growl in my apartment. My parents are sleeping and they didn't hear them I think, but I did and I'm freaked out. I'm staying with my lights on in my room and I close the door which leads to balcony too. It's hard to pinpoint an exact date, but I believe it was summertime in 2010. There were two separate instances that neither of us had thought were tied together. We were living in Mount Wolf at the time, right by the Cadoras Furnace, which, there's a whole other story about the woman in white for another time. Behind our house were woods and it wasn't uncommon for us to hear foxes or owls or any other animal making noise out there. But there was one night that my mom had called me outside to listen to, what she described as, a sad, lonely wailing. We researched endlessly about what could have possibly made that sound, but we always fell short. Just as you described it, it would fade in and out and eventually lingered away. I hadn't thought much on it considering that the actual sighting was the forefront of my memories there, but reading that description, it makes so much sense. It was a little bit after this, when my mom and I were coming home from running errands, when we slowed to a stop right around here, below. It was night time and we always liked to watch for deer on the horizon of the fields. I was in the passenger seat, trying to see out my mom's window, and that's when I saw this black form by the back window. I don't even remember what I said or did to get her to look back, but she did. She then turned forward, slammed on the gas, and wouldn't even talk to me about it until we got home and in the house. She said that when she turned to look at it, it stood up and wing-like appendages spanned out from its back. We both agreed it was massive. I'd say 9 to 10 feet. I don't recall seeing any red eyes, but it all happened so fast. Personally, I'm more apt to be spooked out by the paranormal, whereas my mom is more curious. But whatever this thing was was enough to terrify her. She wanted to go back out to investigate, but I was too afraid to go and she didn't want to go alone. The next day when we returned in the daylight to see if maybe there was a tree or mailbox or anything that could have been what we saw, but there wasn't. Up until now, I jokingly referred to it as my Mothman experience, despite the uneasy undertones. I had no idea this creature even existed. I've told the story to so many, but I think it's hard for them to really grasp what actually happened. To them, I'm sure it just sounds like a spooky ghost story. I've been dying to find an actual explanation to this and I think I finally did. My grandmother had a similar experience, but she was living in Edgewood, Maryland at the time. She described it exactly the same though, a massive, black, winged figure lingering near her car. She told us that she thought it was a fallen angel. It's all been very surreal. I didn't think I would ever get answers to what we saw, 
and it's haunted me to this day. I'm still unsure whether or not this discovery has eased my mind or frightened me even more. I live near downtown Philadelphia. I always enjoyed night walks, even though it was not recommended in my neighborhood. But it was the best way for me to find my peace after a long hectic day at work. I miss those walks because I stopped taking them after I saw it. It alerted me to its presence while I was walking between two buildings. There was a quick snap, like a branch was breaking. When I turned to look I saw its limbs. The long, somewhat humanoid arms, were stretching out from behind the side of a dumpster. I could see the extended fingers with the clawed ends. I wouldn't say that I was afraid, but I did suddenly feel out of place as if I had accidentally opened the door into somebody else's house. I sheepishly said, hello. The arms jerked suddenly and there was another series of loud snaps from behind the dumpster. I realized that the snapping sounds were coming from the creature's limbs. That was when the fear crept in, but I was strangely frozen in place. As the claws returned from the shadows, they curled over the rim of the dumpster and slowly began tapping against the metal body. The creature pulled itself upright, its head peeking over the edge. It looked vaguely human-like and was shaped like a man's. The mouth hung open as if it was trying to take a breath. Then it slid back, ducking out of sight yet again. After several seconds had passed, the humanoid leapt out from its hiding place. It hunkered on the ground. Its legs were as long as its arms and the entire body was hairless and gaunt. It looked like a corpse. It then made a sudden lunge toward me. I ran as quickly as I could while hearing the snarling and shrieks that were coming from behind me. I heard it running on the ground but then realized that it was running on the walls. It scurried along the sides of the building like a spider. My only hope was to reach my front door before it reached me. As I approached my residence, I fumbled with my keys but was able to unlock the door and slide into the foyer. The creature crashed against the door and banged on the frame for a few seconds before falling silent. I quickly made my way to the back door and made sure it was locked. I walked back to the front foyer. I watched the front door for what must have been hours. I knew it was still there. I could hear the barely audible breathing as it waited for me to make the mistake of checking if it had left. Eventually, the sun started to break through the darkness. I pressed my ear against the door but I heard nothing. I slowly pulled the door open. The coast was clear. The creature was gone. That was the last time I took a walk in my neighborhood at night. I only walk in the daylight, as I keep a vigilant eye open for anything unusual. I have no idea what that humanoid was or what it wanted from me. But I wasn't going to take any chances on finding out. This sighting happened about 15 years ago at my grandparents' house in the middle of the summer. I grew up and still live in a very rural part of West Tennessee on a farm surrounded by fields and woods. There are about five wildlife reserves within 15 to 20 minutes of my house if that says anything about how far in the boonies this sighting took place. It was the middle of the summer and I had invited some friends over to spend the night, so about eight of us saw this and we were all between the ages of 10 and 12. We had spent our whole day playing at the creek and climbing trees. That night, at about 10 or 11, we decided to go sit in the front yard and talk so we wouldn't wake anyone in the house up by being loud. We had been outside for a while and noticed that my grandparents' dogs, who had been sitting with us, had disappeared from the front yard and we were no longer hearing any of the normal insect noise that occurs in the south during the summer. The field across the road from the house was planted with corn and we started to hear something moving through the corn. It started getting louder and closer and we heard what sounded like grunting or someone breathing heavily. It was a full moon so we could easily see everything that was in the yard and the field which was only about 20 yards from where we were sitting at the time. We heard what sounded like a scream as something came through the corn across from us at which point we all took off running for the house leaving everything in the front yard. As we ran inside I looked over my shoulder and saw what I can only describe as a huge hairy man. 
His head was level with the top of the corn which at this point in the summer was about seven foot tall. When we got inside we all looked at each other with disbelief asking each other what it was and agreed not to talk about it anymore. After this encounter, we would not go out at night anymore. I grew up hunting and spending all of my free time outdoors. I know the animals and sounds that are native to this area and this wasn't one of them. I still to this day feel like there is something there when I visit the house and try not to stay outside too long at night. I fished commercially in the Bering Sea, Bristol Bay, and near the Aleutians for a couple years. Coolest thing was seeing a gathering of grey whales, I think, in the Gulf of Alaska. As far as the eye could see, grey whales had gathered. We were very careful to move slowly and not hit any. Strangest or most unsettling thing is when the sea gets calm and flat like a lake. On a day-to-day -day basis, any time that the mains shut down and it gets absolutely quiet is terrifying. And creepiest would be shipwrecks. You'll see them all over the place. Several guys I knew looted a couple of the shipwrecks at one point or another for gear. Storms really never scared me. You just kind of get used to it and it seems normal and at times exciting. Edit, when I was fishing, it was pre-IFQ, meaning we did that whole derby thing. So everyone was constantly exhausted. I vividly remember one time looking straight at the sun after 50 hours of work, lounging on a pile of line and in between strings, and very clearly hearing someone say, fly on me again, and I will shine on you no more. I immediately knew it was a hallucination caused by exhaustion, but creepy in the moment. This happened the night after Halloween. I delivered newspapers at night and I was delivering newspapers that night and it was business as usual. I rounded this curve and I saw a group of kids in the middle of the road. There were about six of them and they were all wearing grey robes with hoods. They didn't have the hoods on, they were down their backs. I thought that was kind of strange because Halloween had ended about 10 hours before that. One of them saw me and started walking very quickly towards my car saying something. She got very close to my car and I could see that she was about 15 years old and my first thought was. Why was she out there? That's pretty young to be out there at that time of night, it was about 4.30 in the morning. I didn't have time to talk to her so I drove around her but then there were the other five kids in the middle of the road and then they saw me and they fanned out to surround my car so I couldn't move and that scared me. I drove up on the lawn to get around them but they were coming pretty quickly at my car and I almost hit one of them and then I thought, I'm gonna call the police because this is quite odd. Then I thought, I better follow them so I could tell the police what they're doing. I saw them turn down this street and I turned to follow them and it took about 10 seconds to get to this street and they were gone. They had disappeared and there's no way they could have gone to even the first house. I'm wondering if you could help me with this. It happened last Halloween night. It's bothered me ever since. I tried calling in to coast to coast but nobody really helped me with it or told me what I experienced so I was kind of hoping with all the calls and guests you've had that maybe you could help me. Well, what happened to me was I delivered newspapers at night. I was on the street at about 4.30 in the morning and I saw a group of kids. Like I said, it was after Halloween, 4.30 the next morning on November 1st and these kids, there were about six of them and they were all dressed in grey robes with hoods and hoods, they weren't wearing them, the hoods were down their back. They saw my car and one of them came towards me aggressively. She came up to my car but I didn't stop for her. I looked at her and she was very pretty but very young. She looked like she was 14 or 15 years old and the first thing I thought was, why was someone that young out at this time of time? So I drove around her. I didn't stop then the other one saw me and they all fanned out to surround my car to stop my car and I didn't want that to happen so I drove up on the guy's lawn, the house that was to the left of me. I drove up on his lawn to get away from them but I almost hit one of them, that's how much they were coming after me and it scared me. I didn't know why they wanted me to stop so I thought, 
I better call the police so I got my phone out and I looked in my rearview mirror and they were all huddled together like a football huddle and I thought, you know, these are kids and I almost hit one of them. You'd think they'd be jumping up and down and swearing and flipping me off but they weren't, they were all together in this huddle and then they went down this street and I thought I'd better follow them so I can tell the police what they are doing and I mean it was seconded since I turned around and went down the street and they were gone. Just that fast they were gone. And there's no way they, all of them, could have gotten anywhere. It just kind of spooked me and I'm never afraid at night but I was for three days after that. They were dressed in robes which I thought was weird too because being that age they don't want to be dressed the same, you would think. So, I just thought it was an odd group of people to have out at that time of night and then to come after me the way they did and I didn't know what they wanted. It was 4.30 in the morning on November 1st right after Halloween. I called coast to coast because David Weatherly was on there and I guess he's the expert on, what black-eyed children. I thought maybe that's what they were. It sounded like that's what it could have been but he didn't really say much. He just said that Halloween was the night that portals are open or something and whatever can get through. These kids literally disappeared. They went down this big street with big houses with big lawns and I was right behind them and there's no way they could have gotten anywhere. They couldn't even have made it to the end of the first house without me seeing them and they were gone and that's what freaked me out. It was so bizarre and it scared me. I was scared to be out for three nights. In 1980, during my seventh trip to the Yucatan Peninsula, I met two students at the Mayan ruins in Tulum. They were on an archaeological dig outside Chichen Itza, near some known lagoons, cenotes. These two students were at Tulum that day doing some research and were kind enough to invite me to come out and visit their dig site. This is their story. We completed our research at the Tulum Mayan ruins and went to meet our group outside the Chichen Itza area. While driving that night, we had an approximate three-hour drive to arrive at our hotel. We are both archaeological students from Boston College and the University of Texas. Ken was 21 years old and Jan was 20. We stopped at a small cantina to pick up sodas for our drive. We noticed the sky was clear and twinkling with stars. On the way, out in the middle of nowhere, Jan saw a moving object in the sky, shining a very bright light. It seemed to be headed parallel to where we were heading. Ten minutes later, it was gone. We did not think it was strange. We thought maybe it was a military plane or something to that effect. We were alone, not too much traffic on the highway. We only passed a tour bus or two, probably headed back to Cancun. We rented a Volkswagen thing, a fun car to drive, but kind of a rough ride. After a while, the car began to lose power and ran rough. Just as we came around a sharp curb in the road, there it was sitting on the road, taking up both lanes, a metallic, smooth-looking disc. I started to lose consciousness and could feel Jan pulling on my right arm and screaming. But I could not move or say anything. The next thing I knew, both of us were in a small hospital, being asked questions by the police. Apparently, we were found approximately one three quarters miles away from the car. I was found lying down in the dirt and Jan was found walking down the road. We were both released from the hospital the next morning. My arms and Jan's legs were covered in bruises. That day, both of us had slight bleeding in our noses and an upset stomach. We could not drink much water or keep food down. Ken called me at my hotel and wanted to come by and talk to me. We did meet and Ken and Jan told me bits and pieces of their account, as you can imagine. It was hard for both of them trying to recall what they thought may have happened. They went back that afternoon, hooked up with their group, and worked the dig for several days. Before returning home, they said that each one of them had different details but were still confused. Ken said we both began having lucid dreams several weeks after returning home. It slowly came back to us. We were abducted by tall men with blonde hair and blue eyes in some type of jumpsuit-like uniform. Jan and I slowly tried to put together what happened. Sometimes, we had different thoughts. 
Jan said she saw me without any clothing on, leaning against a soft blue lighted wall. I remember seeing Jan lying on a medical type table surrounded by three of the tall men. Jan recalls also seeing four small gray type beings on the craft and said that their eyes were black and they had what appeared to be a second lens type eye behind the other pupil. Both said they received different confusing messages in their minds during their time on the craft. Ken said he was somewhat conscious and did see various equipment medical instruments being used on January what had me concerned was this entire event, having been with them earlier that day and finding out they experienced an incredible abduction. I had two other conversations with them and both were seeking professional help. I lost contact with them about three years after this happened. Okay. So, I'd appreciate anything anyone can tell me. I had this dream but can't shake it, I've tried looking it up but end up confused. So, from what I remember it's me and my friend I'll call her Sarah, not her real name, and two others I don't recognize. I remember calling my mom in this dream and getting severe weather. One thing my mom said was, even if it's the last one referring to the storm. I remember tornado warnings in the background. We jump in my car and start driving to my mom's and I remember we make it and get under the house for protection from the tornado. Once the tornado was over, I went out to see midday, and clear. Only thing is I remember seeing deer head like skulls with huge antlers with skin hanging off of them. Made me think of a windigo. I live in the outskirts of the Appalachian Mountains. However it's knit just one. There's several. They're dead? I wanna say. I'm not sure. Any help on this would be appreciated. I'm from the UK and I don't know much about Wendigos, in fact I didn't remember the name as I've heard of them once in a TV series years ago. Last night I had a dream I was in a house and I turned around and there was a huge windigo in the doorway and I instantly knew what it was and its name. In the dream for some reason I was living with and taking care of an old lady but the windigo spirit then possessed the old lady and she became evil and malicious. I had to be real nice to her and do what she asked or I knew she would hurt me. Eventually with the help from others in the dream I got away. In another part of the dream, my skin started to feel spongy and strange and then my teeth started crumbling out of my mouth, I knew it was because of the windigo and my body was going to slowly die. All pretty gross but I wasn't insanely scared during any of this. I have a lot of stress on ATM so this could have influenced the dream but I thought it was bizarre especially as I forgot about windigos including the name. I used to believe it was just my mind playing tricks on me now I'm not so sure. When I was around 11 and my cousin being 14 we had went upstairs after a family gathering and everyone had went home it was just me, him and his dad that was a dead sleeper. So at around 11.30 we were simply playing a few games a fortnight till we started hearing footsteps coming from the downstairs before it abruptly stopped. We then heard a deep growl coming from the stairs for around 10 minutes before it stopped. So we decided to close the door thinking almost nothing of it. Until his dog began barking loudly non-stop. So we decided to see what was happening and we both began moving slowly down the stairs until we saw that the front door was wide open so we quickly closed it and began walking towards where the dog was near the back porch's door which was also wide open. Us both now basically shitting our pants we stood there frozen, we began hearing the sounds of sticks snapping until it stopped and began growling once again. Then we finally heard it as it caked out to me 90. Where are you? It was the sound of my father's voice. And I knew it wasn't him it sounded distorted and as if was playing on a loop. Yet B and my cousin still stood there frozen before my cousin spoke up. Isn't your dad in Texas? As I slowly turned and looked at him the voice stopped and we started to hear loud footsteps as they grew closer to the porch. I immediately slammed the door and locked it we both ran back up the stairs and into his room locking the door behind us. 
We eventually calmed down turning on the room lights after around three hours of sitting next to each other on his bed crying silently. But we once again began hearing a low growl from his window but we were on the second floor so it didn't make sense. I looked over at the window slowly and I swore I saw something large zipping through the trees and once again we began hearing my father's voice again repeatedly screaming my nickname. At that point we didn't know what to do anymore. So we found a sheet and covered the window with it and the screaming stopped as we sobbed under the blankets we eventually feel asleep and once we woke up we kept it to ourselves believing, hoping that it was just our sleep deprived minds. The sheet is still there as of today. I don't know what that thing was but I don't think they should live in the mountains anymore. So I was walking in the woods. No one was around except two of my mom's cats and my cat. I felt okay it was dark and I was alone but I didn't feel afraid, I hate being alone in the dark even with my cat, but then I heard someone say look over there, like I said I was alone. I didn't know which way to look but apparently I did cause the moment I looked to my right something big and black was running towards me. I thought at first it was my all black dog night but the issue is this furry body has a white head and at first I was confused but then when it got close enough for me to see when it stopped like right in from of me was the fact that I saw it had a big white skull for a head. And it has stopped right in front of me but the moment I processed that this shouldn't be in my dreams and that whatever it is is dangerous, I woke up crying. Like deathly afraid of whatever it was in my dreams. I look it up what I saw and it was a Wendigo. I'm sorry but I don't just have random dreams about Wendigos I didn't even know what they looked like, all I knew was that Wendigos are scary and evil. This one didn't seem evil in the sole fact that it didn't straight up attack me but I did wake up the moment I processed it wasn't my dog and it was scary and out of the blue. I once saw a weather system off the coast of Central America from the deck of a destroyer that unnerved all of us. It resembled a large bell, probably 20 miles in a broad curve from our side as we were headed to the eastern coast of Belize. The edge of the bell came down to probably under 1000 feet and the sky was completely clear everywhere else. As we got closer, we saw the grey tipped edges of the bell were curling back under at a frightening velocity. It was pulling from outside the bell and sucking it up inside. As we went under it, the temperature dropped 15 degrees Fahrenheit and the sun dimmed instantly. It got quiet under it and we were within sight of land. We saw the edge being pulled up into the center of the phenomenon while the outer edge held its shape, fed by the outside. Constantly curling under while maintaining its shape and volume. We looked at one of our bosuns who had been at sea for 20 years and had seen everything and saw him looking up, too. We all kind of felt a sense of dread and he felt our eyes on him. Without looking at us, he said, eyes upwards, no. I've never seen a goddamn thing like this before. We also killed a right whale with our bow and subsequently ground him into chum with our screws. After his corpse worked itself off of being caught on the sharp angle of the bow, Stem is the nautical term, and the large sonar dome on the bottom of it. It was horrifying and we all hated that it had happened. It's a bad omen. Probably the worst thing I saw were the bodies of Haitian people fleeing into the Windward Passage in 1995 when Aristide was overthrown. Some of the boats sank we found clusters of the drowned. Women floating face up, leached of all color. Children, too. One toddler that I recall next to what I assume was their mother. We saved thousands and thousands but that tiny minority of those that drowned haunts me. I won't ever be able to forget that. I guess I shouldn't, either. Someone should remember them because history doesn't. I feel so badly for Haiti and Haitians. They've always had a raw deal. Not my stories because the open ocean freaks me out and you probably couldn't pay me enough to go out there, but my wife's uncle, uncle-in-law? Anyway, the guy is some sort of engineer, and has spent almost his entire life on big ships and some time on oil rigs. The first story is not that creepy, but it's strange. Apparently the uncle-in-law, 
UIL from now on, was on some big ship at sea in the 1970s and they were letting down or pulling up the anchor for some reason, he explained why, but honestly I've forgotten. When they were pulling it up, suddenly the chain started coming up a lot slower than it should. Turned out that they had somehow impaled a monster-sized swordfish that weighed over 1,000 pounds. He even brought some back for the family to eat and the in-laws confirmed it. Second story is much creepier. Oil was on an oil rig, no idea where, sometime in the 1980s and while he was there they experienced a major storm. He said he was pretty nervous since there had just been some major disaster on another similar oil rig very recently after a major storm. So the storm comes and goes and the crew goes about assessing the damage. On this one side there was this metal stairway going down to a platform at sea level, and during the storm the platform got ripped off and part of the stairway was submerged in the water. One brave, idiotic? Guy went down the stairway to assess the damage, and as soon as he got to the bottom and put one foot in the water, the stairway started sinking abruptly, as if something was pulling it down from below. The guy only barely managed to run up just enough before the bottom part of the stairway snapped off and sank. UIL said that was a sign from above for him to leave that job and he got off as soon as could. Shortly thereafter there was another storm and the same rig capsized and sank. Oil seemed convinced, though, that there was something out there that was attacking the rig, and that it didn't just sink because of bad weather. I have my doubts, but he told a convincing story and I have a policy of not doubting anyone who brings over the beer.